Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. ready for the word this morning. I want to thank uh, Brother Angel. Last week he, he filled in. Um, for me, I was, at a, I was at a wedding in Florida, uh, just me and my wife, and we, we, had a, we had a good time. We went to, uh, it was in Miami, and then we went to uh, Orlando to, to Universal Studios, and it rained all day on us. And it was cold, and we were trapped in there. And it was, we were, I mean, it was, it was like cold and we were wet. And so I was telling, I was telling Danny, I was telling Pastor Danny, man, we had to, we had to buy these sweaters and like the cheapest one was like $70. And so I had to buy two of them. And I got to the cashier and I was like, oh my Lord Jesus. And she was like, yeah, that's what we do here. Um, so anyways, it, it was a good time. It was a good time. Um, but I want to, I want to share a word with you this morning. Um, actually, you know, I have been having on my mind, on my spirit, uh, several words that I wanted to kind of put together, um, into, in, into one kind of mini series. And it's, it's been, it's been something kind of brewing up. And, and so the words are kind of similar. So I thought to, um, to preach it in, in kind of a, in kind of a series. Um, I haven't done a series in a long time. I used to do them all the time. Uh, and then 2020 came and it was impossible to do a series because something was happening every week that required a preaching of its own. Um, so I'm excited uh, for, for this. We're going to talk about some real life issues for the next three weeks. Is that OK? Yeah. Real life, real life. These are things, church, that can destroy relationships, destroy churches, destroy families, destroy ministries, destroy personal walks of faith. And we all struggle with them on occasion. But I don't think they get preached about enough because they're not profound enough. You know, preachers, especially, especially me, man, I, I, like to, I like to go deep. I like to, I like to you know, go into s- theological and biblical depths, right? It just makes me sound smart, right? Uh, and, and, and preachers, we, we often, we want to go deeper, but sometimes the most simplest of messages are the most impactful. And so these messages are going to be very simple, but my prayer is that they impact your life. And before I give you the title of the sermon today, I want to give you the title of the series uh, for the next few weeks. It's called Unnoticed. Unnoticed. And I want to talk about, we're going to talk about sin. We're going to talk about three sins that are so subtle, so harmless at first, you don't even notice that they're there. Or maybe you do notice that they're there, but you don't think it's, it's, it's detrimental to your spirit. It's kind of like a, like a cancerous tumor before, you, before it takes effect, right? You might notice, you might notice kind of an irregularity in your, in, your, in your skin, and you don't pay much attention to it. But over weeks and months and maybe a year, it grows into something that is life-threatening. That's how these sins can affect the body of Christ. And so I want to talk about that this morning. And you're trapped. You came to the first out of the three-week series, so you have to come back next week and the following week, okay? It's just you signed that uh, contract. It was a contractual agreement. When you stepped in here, you didn't know about it. But I want to take you to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. <clears throat> and we're going to start with verse 22. 
I'm not going to lie. I heard this sermon preached by another preacher and I was blown away um, by it. And so I'm going to use the same text that he used to, to talk about kind of the same thing that he talked about. It's all good. It's the same giver of the word, right? It's the Holy Spirit. Um, but John chapter three, beginning with verse 22, it says, after this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John was baptizing at Anon near Salim because water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized for John had not yet been put into prison. Verse 25 says, now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and the Jew over purification. And they came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. And John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. Verse 30 says, he must increase but I must, what? Decrease. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray over this word, my God, that you've you've already spoken, Father God. I pray, Lord, that it may, it may touch hearts this morning, my God, that it may touch minds, Father God, that it may change us, Father God, convict us, Father God. And I pray, Father God, that as we hear it, we may apply it out there, my God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the first thing, the first sin that I want to talk about in this unnoticed series is the very often unnoticed sin of pride. Someone say pride. Say it proudly. <laughs> pride. It's so it's so simple. So again, it's not profound, right? You might even be bummed out because like, oh, I don't struggle. I don't struggle with pride. I was expecting to hear a, an in-depth theological sermon. He wants to talk about pride this morning. I don't struggle with pride. What if I told you that you probably do struggle with pride, but you just don't notice it? <laughs> pride, is that, pride is that sin that everybody struggles with. Everybody. You know that there's some, you know, there's some sins that, that uh, certain temptations that more pe- like certain people struggle with more than others. So like for, for men... On a statistical level, men struggle with lust. I'm going to get real this morning. It's going to get real quiet, real awkward. But that, that's true. On a statistical level, lust is, is, is the sin for men. Women struggle with it too. But again, on a statistical level, men battle this one. And if you were in youth group growing up, you prob- that's why they wrote that book, Every Young Men's Battle. I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with that, but every youth pastor probably recommended it to you. Like, hey, read this book, son. Um, and it's because that is, that, is, that is just one of the sins, the temptations that men have. And women have their own. I'm not going to comment on theirs because I don't want to get in trouble. But, but pride, pride is the one that everybody deals with on occasion. And pride comes in so many different forms, and we don't always notice it. So if you've ever had a hard time apologizing for something, that's a pride issue. How many, how many have had that issue before? Amen. It, take, it takes humility to admit that, right? If you didn't raise your hand, you probably, you're probably still struggling. We're going to pray afterwards. 
But some people can't say I'm sorry. Eat meant even when they know they're wrong. Isn't that frustrating? Even like you know you're wrong and you can't even admit it. Because because you know that if you're admitting that you're wrong, you're admitting that you are imperfect. And even though you know that you're imperfect because everybody else is imperfect, you don't want to be seen as more imperfect than the person that you're apologizing to. So you don't say anything. That's pride. That's pride. Pride takes another form in the way that, that maybe you're unable to ask for help. Anybody? I don't need help. I don't need directions. I don't need Siri. Right? I, girl, I, I need Siri. I need Siri. But I'll be honest. I've, I've struggled with this one before. I, I struggle with it. it, it it's, it's a battle. I think, I, think a lot of, uh, I think a lot of pastors struggle with it. Um, because, you know, as a pastor, just to give you some insight, you're the, you're the person that people usually go to for spiritual advice and, and wisdom and, and direction. But a lot of times we need it too. And so, you know, you, you might go to Pastor Brandon for prayer and, hey, Pastor Brandon, I need, I need my, my mom's sick, my wife's sick. I'm sick. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just dealing with some things. I have financial issues. Can you pray for me? We don't realize that he probably needs some prayer too. Yeah. Pastor Danny might be counseling someone in his office, giving him some spiritual advice and wisdom without realizing that, that he might be in a, in a need of spiritual direction. And so this is, this is, a, this is a personal struggle of, of mine because I'm not always able to be vulnerable because I'm used to, I'm used to people coming and, and, and asking me for help. And if I ask you for help, well, then are you going to see me as, as not, a, not as anointed of a, of a preacher? Are you going to see the real me? And you're not supposed to see the real me. I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be holy, right? The, the pastor's supposed to be holy and, and anointed. Can I tell you, I'm not always anointed, man. Come on. I, I try to be. That, that, is my, that is our goal. Right. To achieve the perfection of God, to be holy as he is holy. But sometimes I fall short of the glory of God. So you might come to me on a day where I'm off and I fell short from the glory of God. And it takes humility to be able to say, I need help right now. I remember when I first became a pastor, man. I was having some personal issues, personal pastoral issues. Not with the single person, not with anyone in particular, but just, just with the church itself. Just, just, just with the calling of being a pastor. It was a struggle at, at, at first, okay? And I wasn't going to come up here on a Sunday and, and talk to the church about the church problems that I'm experiencing as a pastor. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to reach out to another pastor friend of mine from another church. I say, Pastor, this sister at our church, man, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I didn't, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But it, 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 it takes a lot to ask for help. And this all comes from that same root of pride. And not just pastors, not just leaders, everybody deals with it. Sometimes you don't want to ask for help because of, of what it might do to your public image. You work hard to look good. You work hard on your Instagram feed. You, look, you work hard to impress certain people in your life. And so you fear that if you ask someone for help, maybe, maybe people are always going to you when they, need some, when they need a loan. 
And you're like, well, but if I go ask for a loan, then my, my, my image is going to be tampered. If I go ask for help, then, then are they going to stop asking me for help in the future? And it's a, it's a pride thing. It's a pride issue. And there's a lot more pride issues that I think that we can talk about. But the one that I believe is so destructive to relationships and ministries and churches is the pride that comes from having a false sense of territory. What do I mean by that? I call it territorial pride. Territorial pride. You see this, you see this in a lot of Christian churches. Territorial pride. You see this all over the body of Christ, and we don't even notice it. So we used to have this dog. His name was Leo. I loved Leo. We, I had him for like 10 years before he, he passed away. And he had, he, had some, he had some aggression issues. One time he, he, he attacked Melissa, actually. And, uh, but he was a great dog, you know, <laughs> apart from that. Uh, <laughs> she, man, she never lets me forget it. She's like, how, how dare you keep that dog, right? But he was my friend, you know? And, and we got him fixed, right? And then he didn't have those issues again. But he still had, he had some territorial issues where anytime someone would even step foot on the property, man, he, Leo would go crazy. He'd go nuts barking and growling. And, th- and then they'd come into the house and I'm like, hey, this, this is my friend. Like, stop barking at him, right? And I know that's what we want in, in dogs. We want to protect, we want, we want a guard dog, right? But I thought it was funny sometimes because Leo would be going crazy as if it was his house. And I'm like, Leo, this is my house. Step off. So he had a false sense of territory where he was protecting something that didn't really belong to him. And so when it comes to the kingdom of God, there are many Christians, many leaders, many pastors, many ministers, people who serve in the church who have this territorial pride for something that doesn't belong to them. So we might say, this is my ministry. We might say, I teach this class. We might say, this is my stage. And then we start barking at anyone who nears what we think is ours, but really isn't. Now, don't, don't get me wrong, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying that we shouldn't protect the position that God has us in, in a moment, right? I, as, as a pastor of this church, I have, a, I have a responsibility to this church in who I allow to lead and who I allow to pastor and who I allow to preach, but this is not my church. I've only been entrusted with something that belongs to the Father. This is not, this is not my pulpit. This is not my stage, This is not my church. I am only a vessel being used for his honor, his glory, until I am relieved of my duties. But a lot of times we get it twisted, man. We get it twisted. We look at at the person. We look at the singer. We look at the teacher. We look at the preacher. And and when the singer sings a song better than I could have sang it, when the teacher teaches the class better than I could have taught it, when the preacher gives a sermon better than I could have preached it, instead of celebrating the honor and glory they are bringing to God, it hurts our false sense of territory. See you (laughs) now. So, so when we look at the text, right, John the Baptist, 
He had one of the greatest ministries of his day. Okay, I want, you to, I want you to understand something about John the Baptist, how special he was, how revered he was in his community. It was because of the coming of John the Baptist that God decided to break his silence. Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a period of 400 years where not a prophet is speaking. No one's doing anything. Everyone's just kind of waiting. They're kind of in limbo. And then, and then God, he, he sees the coming of, of, of John the Baptist and he says, you know what? This man is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. This man is special. This man has got a ministry. And man, John the Baptist, during his ministry, he amassed a following. He he had disciples of his own. People would come from all over the region just to be baptized by him and to listen to a word and a teaching from him. He was respected. Even the Pharisees, the very people who didn't respect Jesus, they respected John the Baptist. But then when Jesus steps onto the scene and he begins his ministry, pull up verse 25 again. It says, now a discussion arose between son of of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. They're going to him. I wonder if if pride was a temptation for John the Baptist in that moment. He didn't fall into it, but I wonder if it tempted him. Because it it would seem that way because this this Jew is going to him and he's reminding John the Baptist, you're John the Baptist. You're John the Baptist. You're John the Baptist, right? Right? John the Baptist and Pastor Danny brought up a beautiful sermon this morning in our Spanish ministry where John the Baptist, his mission was to prepare the way for Jesus. And he said, I baptize you in water, but he who is coming after me is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. But Jesus wasn't baptizing people in the Holy Spirit right now. He was baptizing them in water. So John could have been like, you know what? You're right, bro. That's my territory. I'm John the Baptist. He should be baptizing people in the Holy Spirit, not in water. That's my Jordan River. That's my territory. That's, that's, that's what I do. That's, that's my thing. There is undoubtedly going to be times, church, when you face a temptation like this. And if you haven't noticed yet, man, Numa Church is a church that serves. We are a church that serves. We're, we're a small church. We're a growing church, praise God, but we're still a small church. And for is the, the size that we have, we have a lot of ministries. And we even have more that, I wanna, that we're going to be launching soon. I haven't even talked about them yet, but I, I will soon. But I, th- I, think that, I think that God wanted me to bring this message because in your service of the kingdom of God, there might be times when the devil comes to you and says, look, look at the event that they did. It brought more people than your event. You're the teacher for this class. You teach week after week after week after week. There's a new teacher coming, and boy, he is, he's sharp. And he's coming for you. Fine arts students, if I could just encourage you. The devil might be working overtime to hurt your pride. And you see the kids that, that, 
that made it to nationals. You see the kids that, 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 that got the merit award and you're thinking to yourself, man, that's my merit award. Don't go there. Because this is the type of pride that destroys relationships, ministries, churches, personal walks of faith. I want to remind you of something this morning. The ministry that you do is for the kingdom in which you are not a king of. You don't rule over it. You serve in it. We have forgotten that we are servants. We talk a lot about leaders, right? Leaders, leaders, leaders. And we're trying to build up leaders. If you do a word study for leaders in the Bible, you're going to find like two words for the word leader. If you do one for servant, it's all over the place. Because that's what we are called to be. Servants of the kingdom of God. And you might say, well, pastor, I just want to give God my best. I just, want to, I just want to do the best for the kingdom of God. That's a noble desire. Every, everyone should have that desire. But you might have to define what you think best means. Because best is not defined by how well you can sing or how well you can teach or how many people attend your conference or how organized you are or how awesome you are or how talented you are. It is defined by the condition and the posture of your heart. And so if you are serving in the kingdom of God wholeheartedly, your reward will be in the kingdom of God. But if you just want to look your best, if you just want to look your best and govern over what you think is your territory, your reward is not going to go any further than this kingdom. That's what the word of God says. If you want to look good for man, that's okay. You can have that, but I, I've got something way better for you if you store up your treasures in heaven and if you seek to please me. See, the earthly, uh, the earthly reward that John the Baptist had, it had already peaked. He had already got the following. He had the respect. He had people going to him. It wasn't going to get any better than that. Had he not humbled himself, he would have had no reward in heaven. But he realizes that his entire ministry, it was not about him. It's about Jesus. And so he says, I must decrease so that he may increase. I need to cancel myself out so that he is the one working. Amen. Falling prey to pride, man, it's so easy. Because it's something that we don't always notice. We don't always recognize it. It, it, it sneaks up on us. And Satan has become kind of a master on pride, right? He understands how it begins. He understands how it grows. He understands how it leads to your destruction. It was, a, it was the first sin ever committed was pride. Satan thinking that he was better than God. That's what cast him out of heaven was his pride. And so he knows how to work the pride. He knows how to tempt you with pride because he's been there before. In heaven, Satan wanted the glory for himself. He wanted the applause for himself. He wanted the recognition for himself, the attention. And, and when we get to a point where God begins to use us, and I believe that God is using many of you already, and I believe that he's getting ready to use many of you, all you have to do is say, yes, God, use me, and he will use you. And the moment that that begins happening and the moment that God begins to work in you and you're, and you're being used in your spiritual gifts 
and you're confident in what you're doing and where God has you in, that's when pride is getting ready to strike. The moment you, you take the stage for the first time, you take the mic for the first time, you take the classroom for the first time, you take the ministry for the first time, that he's ready, he's ready with the temptation of pride. I've had to learn how to check my pride in my ministry and in my life. Melissa will always, she'll never let me forget it. She tells me that when we, when we first met, she didn't, she didn't like me. Like not that she just didn't like me, she couldn't stand me. We were kids, we grew up in this church, and I would be in class, and she, just, she couldn't stand me because she, she said, you were so full of yourself. <laughs> she thought I was conceited. You know what? She wasn't lying. I was. I was. I, 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 thought, I thought I was the best. I thought I was the coolest. I thought I was talented. And then God began to humble me when he began to thin out my hair. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, I, don't, I don't struggle with it anymore. And I've been asking him to give it back, but it's my thorn in the flesh right? to, to keep me humble. <laughs> but but I, I, remember, I remember this moment that I, that I had with myself. And I said, you know what? There, there, I, I'm going I'm to create this trigger, this default trigger in my life that I'm going to start using. Anytime someone says, Good job, good word, good singing. My trigger response is going to be glory to God, Amen. glory to God, because I don't want to feel entitled to a single ounce of glory that does not belong to me. So I have to deflect it. Good job, glory to God. Now, I understand that when some of you say, Pastor Ryan, great word this morning, I, I know that you're not trying to give me the glory. I, under, I, I know that you're just saying, thank you for being used. But, but, but man, the devil is so good about convincing you otherwise. He wants to get in your head. I bet you that's the way that it worked in heaven, man. I bet you someone in heaven, an, another angel, went up to Satan and said, hey, Lucifer. Hey, Luce. I imagine that's his nickname. Hey, Luce. Hey, Luce. Man, you got such a gifting, man. You sing so well. You lead that choir so well. You're, you're just a natural Leader, And instead of Satan saying glory to God, you know what he probably said? Thank you. And that got into his head and it started to grow. And then later, he, he, he was not only taking compliments, now he was giving himself compliments. And he was saying, you know what? I am a pretty good singer. I'm a pretty good choir director. I'm a pretty good leader. You know what? I should start my own band. You know, I, I should, I, I bet you I can amass my own following. And, and, and that's how he fell from heaven, bringing a third of the angels with him. Pride doesn't come from the moment. Listen, I'm almost done. I'm going to have the worship team come up. Pride doesn't come from the moment that you think that you're better than God. It's already there at that point. Okay? It, it, it doesn't come the moment that you think that you're better than someone else. It's already there at that point. So you might say, well, Pastor Ryan, how can I seal pride from entering into my life? I, I believe that the only true way of, of sealing any pride that wants to seep into your life is by knowing that you are not entitled to any glory. You have to, you have to know it. You have to understand it. You have to not desire any glory so that you diffuse it. Melissa and I, we, uh, 
we started thinking about our summer vacation. And uh, I, I told you a couple weeks ago on, on Easter Sunday, man, when it comes to vacation, I'm bougie, man. So I spend hours, literally hours, researching the best places to go, the best resorts, the best food, the best places to eat, and best bang for your buck. And I mean, I'll switch vacations like 10 times before I decide where I want to go. And I came across, um, last week, I came across this image of this resort and I was like, this is it. I have, I have the picture up here. I don't know if you can see it really well. That, that, doesn't that look like a painting? That's St. Lucia. That's, uh, the resort is called uh, Jade Mountain. I saw that picture and I was going through the picture. And I was like, this is it. I'm, this is where we're going. And I saw the price. I was like, maybe next year. <laughs> but the, I, I saw that and I was like, man, this, this is it. And, and then I started to think pictures, images do such a good job of making you want something. You could be driving down the street and you see a billboard for Whataburger. Next thing you're in Whataburger line. They do such a, a good job. And last week when we were gone, and, and, you know, it was just a weekend. It was the first time that we had left Ellie. I was looking at pictures of her just wanting to get back to her because I just, I, I missed her. But, but you know what? The thing about the image, it, it's, it's, the image itself is not the thing to be desired. It's what's in the image that leads us to the real thing. And you say, Pastor Ryan, what are you saying? The Bible says we were created in the image of God. We bear the image of God. So that means that, you know, just like this picture, we can be beautiful and we can be talented and we can be eloquent with our words and we can be intelligent and, and we could be good with, with people, but we were never meant to be the thing to be desired. Rather, it's what we reflect that should lead us and should lead people to the real thing. Amen. Pastor Danny's been bringing some fire words, fire words to, to our, our, our Spanish congregation. Why would, why would I get mad at that? Why would I get mad one Sunday and say, man, Pastor Danny, he preached a better word than I did. Why would I get mad at that? Why would I not rejoice? Because this was another instrument being used by God. As, beautiful, as beautifully as he preached, he was leading people to God. It wasn't, it wasn't about him. It's not about me. We are image bearers of God. The image doesn't have any glory on its own. You can look at it and it's beautiful and it makes you desire the, 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 the real thing. But the image itself isn't that special. So, it doesn't matter, church, how beautiful you are. It doesn't matter how beautiful the image is. It doesn't matter if our image isn't as colorful as someone else's image. It doesn't matter if our image isn't as bright as someone else's image or as interesting as the next image. It's all simply the same one God that it's deflecting. The scriptures say, whatever you do, do it for the honor and the glory of God. Whatever you do. 
I'm going to ask us to stand and I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a call this morning. And I'm going to do a call for anyone who says, you know what, God, remove any ounce of pride in my life today because I don't want the glory. I don't want to desire the glory. I want the glory to be all yours. So I'm gonna, I want to make, I want to make that very specific call this morning. If that's you and you say, you know what, I want to rid myself of pride. Now let me tell you, let me tell you something. That the the very altar call that I'm making right now, it takes a suppression of pride. Because, because you, you you might have a voice right now telling you, you don't struggle with pride. You have a, you don't have a pride issue. This is not for you. This is for someone else. I'll be the first one up here because my prayer constantly is God I never want to have that false sense of territory this is not my kingdom I am only a servant in yours I'm going to open up these altars this morning and I'm going to have the worship team sing something and we're just going to have a moment where we give God all of the glory all of the glory God, you can can grow this church. You can do amazing things in our lives. But all the glory is yours, my God. Let me understand that I am just a servant in your kingdom. I don't want to fall prey to pride. I want to kill the pride in my life. And I want to deflect. I want to reflect your glory always, Father God, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing that song. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again, and God bless.